Oh, hello. Here we are on February 9th, 2017 at the Science Fiction Club, and we're talking tonight about Hot House by Brian W. Aldis. And we'll go around and see what people thought of it generally, and then we'll talk about more details in just a bit. Well, I'll start out. Actually, I almost gave up on the book. I got up to Chapter 8, and I thought, this is nothing but a bunch of survival, frantic stuff with no depth to it. But I kind of thought about it a little more, and then I finished the book and realized there was a bit of reason behind the frantic stuff. It was basically devolution of humanity, and eventually they run into aliens who, for whatever purpose and whatever reason managed to enhance human intelligence and do some other things and they finally get out into space and they go to the moon and the whole thing. It was very, very imaginative and very original and I'm glad that I read it, but I don't think I want to read it again. (laughs) So that's what I thought. I have to say, Mary, I didn't finish the book. And I say Mary because you said you almost gave up on it. I, it's sad because I liked the very beginning of the book. I liked how they, you know, told about the plants and the, um, just the whole um, development of it. Um, but then, like you said, all I saw was attack, attack, a kill, and kill these people that didn't have anything to, um, they were just not even harmful people and it's like oh i don't like this and i I even skipped ahead a little bit which i i do that sometimes to see if i like it but i don't do that all the time if i don't like a book and i have to skip ahead then i usually don't read it but so i skipped ahead a little bit and i just i didn't like it so and it's really sad because i know that i think it got good reviews and um so no i won't be finishing that unless you guys say otherwise or convince me otherwise Um, I got tired of the killing, too, um, so I had a hard time sticking with it, but um, the intelligent people weren't aliens. They were people who had come to the moon and gotten radiation poisoning, and so they were too malformed to... to um, be mobile, you know, so they were they were in kind of life support pods. They really weren't in cages, but they had nothing to do but think, you know, they didn't have to work on survival and so they were that's that they were kind of created by radiation. I think she's thinking of the morale though. That's was the enhances in Yeah, and the morale was just a mushroom, but he wasn't an alien. He's a fungus, but he wasn't an alien. I enjoyed the book. I thought it was pretty good. I, I understand that there was some repetitiveness. Uh, part of that was because it was actually five stories put together. And I agree with the reviewer who said that it was put together better than some short story collections that are turned into novels. Uh, I can think of the Foundation series, for one, that kind of wasn't you know as unified as this was. But... Um, um, but overall, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was there, there were all the different environments, and you know, the I like the flight to the moon, and you know, where they go up there, and then we realize they are the flymen. They turn into the flymen, and, and 
um, oh, it was a lot of fun. It was. I had some issues with it, but overall, I think it was. A, it was a classic. It was a good classic. Uh, it wasn't the best book I've ever read, but then most books aren't. <laughs> but overall, I thought it was pretty good. It was said that all the creatures were trying to survive at any cost. So you saw mushrooms wanting to take over humans and plants taking over humans and. I don't know. You know there, was a, there was a ton of competition going on there. I like the poor, hapless, tummy belly people who weren't very bright, but they were awfully affectionate and emotional. They, looked, they, they loved community, and they, they cared about one another more than the other characters were so used to um, death that they just kind of, it was almost business as usual when someone died. Well... I gave up on the book right about the time <clears throat> Lilio or whatever her name was went to the moon and got converted into a fly person. Um, I don't like reading Bard books, or not Bard, uh, Bookshare books. I don't like the computer audio. Um which is too bad because I would have liked to have read the book, finished the book off because of all of the neat plants and other things. The idea of a, of a plant you could use as a space capsule is kind of an interesting idea, and I'm sure there were more. Um, but I, I just couldn't hack the voice uh, on the Bookshare books. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed the book. In fact, I did something I've never done before. I, re- I reread the book because I had read it several weeks ago and I'd forgotten a lot, quite a few things. I read it first on my book, Poor Plus, and then I read it the second time that I just finished today on the Victor Reader stream. It's true, the problem with the uh, voice of text is that he used a lot of strange words or combination of words. I had to constantly be stopping and spelling out to find out what he was saying, but... Apart from that, I thought it was, I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was very imaginative. Um, it was interesting how the plants took over, you know, the world. And, and, and the fact this was still Earth. And the fact that there really weren't any aliens. Although, one of, the, one of his premises, I believe, if I understood correctly, was that the original life on Earth, on Earth had come from a different world or a different universe. And that's why when Lilio... And her friends and the, and the um, Morel went back on that traverse or whatever it is to go out to space to go and explore other planets because Earth was, or the sun was about ready to explode. It might last a few more generations, but eventually Earth would be consumed. So I thought it was quite imaginative. I liked the variety of, of, of plants, the fact that a lot of those vegetables could take over uh, roles of animals like, like carnivores and flying birds and things like that. I thought it was quite good. Um, am I, is it my turn? Mm-hmm. I love the termites. Um, they, were, <laughs> they were so great. You know, they built that castle and um, that guy kind of unrolled blueprints even and it was just very cool and it was also cool that the termites and the humans had a a kind of an understanding where they sometimes cooperated um it was it was tiresome all the killing and stuff but 
the the variety of creatures, um, the the different races like the oh those the people the the sentient so much so many sentient beings had evolved like from wolves and um, other animals. It was it was the sharp furs. Of, yeah, yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. I, it was kind of spectacular. I of course like the part where. Um, his mate had a she had a child and and I love the rescue of that child um, the way they dumped the morels um, when he wanted to take over the child she caught it in a gourd and um, saved the child from being made a puppet taken of, over of by the, the morel. morel yeah and the termites kept house cats that was kind of fun it was. you see a cat go walking past. When they're going down into the tunnel, that was pretty. That was pretty fun. There was humor in there. That flying drone they unpacked that started shouting political slogans <laughs> when it was flying around overhead, and you know, ban monkey labor. Don't go. Don't let chimps take your job and stuff. Oh, it was. It was some humor in there too. And defend the two two day work week. Yeah, defend the two day work week. It was. It was a lot of. There was some humor in there. I thought it was. Really good. I I mean I I got tired of him. He really you know um, um, oh man I'm blanking on his name now. Hate, hated the tummy bellies and he abused them and and stopped the guy that was taken over by the Mur- the Morel. Even oh he hated him even after the Morel he got saved from it. And uh, they they it was fun to read their talk though. They have this peculiar talk that I I had some trouble reading because it was ungrammatical in some places but it was fun it was fun to read it um because i read it out loud for uh for lissy and we just finished it yesterday i liked the ending you know they sailed off into space but but uh you know um yatmer and her baby and her husband whose name i'm going to remember after the meeting's over um um, stayed, behind. stayed behind on Earth, even though you know, because it's not going to be for generations yet that it's going to, you know, really be gone. So they'll have, you know, quite a while yet. So it was great. I actually got. I actually got to the part. Got to the part where the um, where they went to the moon. That was actually kind of cool. But was it the urns or whatever? And it's sad that um, a couple of them died. But I. That's the one thing I did like. I like the different creatures. I like the environments. I just did not like when they when he kept attacking the tummy peep the fisher people and I mean that was just really sad. And um like I said that's when after they when they started uh I think I actually thought it's interesting because at first he was afraid of the fungus, and I, I think the termites, one of the, the leader termite had that, and so did a couple other animals or creatures, and then he got it, and it's interesting because at first he was really, really afraid of it, and then when Poi Lee came and she's like, oh, you have that fungus, what is that, you know, and then when she died, uh, it was, you know, oh, a part of me is missing, and I, I don't know. I uh, don't like. I said the only thing I didn't like was there. It seemed to be a lot of. I mean, like what twenty, thirty, forty minutes of the book was uh, killing those poor 
uh, tummy people. I felt so bad for that. And then what? Poilie died. I think she what she do drown or something like that. Yeah, she got swept away in the current because the boat was sw- uh, going downstream, and and it it got caught in the net of the other tummy bellies, and then. When it got free, it swept forward, and she, and then you know the plant, the the tummy tree was attacking them, and then uh, she got swept overboard. Um, at that point, what's his name, Leela? You remember name? I think you. Were, what's his name? I don't know why I can't remember. I I can't remember. Can't remember his name either. I oh man, oh man, oh man. It's uh, I never remember anybody else. There's Poi Lee. There's uh. Uh, Lilio, there's, oh, what is his name? For some reason I want to say Lino, but that's not his name, and I can't, I can't remember. Mary, do you remember? It's Gren. That was it. I knew it would come to me, uh, but luckily before the end of the meeting. Yeah, it was sad, but the journey was great because they, you know, they went to the castle and then they went down the river to the coast and then they, then they got on that stalker. They found that island and they got on that stalker that took them to the tur- you know, to the night side or close to it. And you know, it was like, you know, what can, what else can you show us? I mean, there was so much. Re- Another thing about it is because there was so much of the rest of the earth that we never did see. You can kind of. It, imaginatively try to fill it in it's kind of like reminds me of the ring world where you know he showed us some of the stuff that was on there but he couldn't possibly show us all of it and so you can kind of let your imagination go on this gigantic ring world and see what else is on it but the the earth would have been the same way in the future because we didn't see you know just a few little bits of it here and there really um i wanted to mention the the character at the end that those of you didn't finish didn't meet him but um, at first, I was so I, I had a lot of hope because he was so intelligent. He was from under the ocean, and but he was he was like a minister. You know, he kept he kept sermonating almost all the time. But that was another very creative thing about the way he subjugated these two women to meet his needs. One had language, and the other had the ability to go into the future. So when there was danger, he'd have her go in the future and see whether he got he survived it. So he, I don't know, it, it helped him to plan. And then that poor man who had to carry him, who was deformed, whose neck had been altered so he couldn't raise his head, and he had to keep his arms up high to to hold the man, the creature in the dolphin creature or whatever in place. And um, you know he 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 made him carry him until he dropped dead and and here i had been so happy that he helped them get um get rid of the morel so it didn't overtake the baby but then he had plans to turn grin into a his next carrier so no there weren't any nice guys except maybe grin's mate in the second half of the book and I have to admit, I did sort of sleep through the carnage with the tummy bellies. I really like the tummy belly people. I thought if they had been just a little smarter, they might have been able to make sense of the world and maybe put a little bit more positive something or other into it. But I really felt sorry for the way that they were 
they were treated. I can't remember what it was that took some of the people into space. I'm not talking about the moon. I'm talking about the very, very end. Um, I, th I didn't really pay as much attention as I should have to that part because I know they were going to go into space, but I'm trying to remember how they got into space. Was it the morale that did it? I don't think it was. The uh, fly people that came back from the moon, remember they cut a hole in the traverser uh, so they could get uh, shield themselves from the radiation because it's a gigantic bird that fly. Well, that it, it moves along the webs like a spider, I guess. Um, and so it was the one that took them to um, um, the. It came back from the moon, and then they used it to. Well, it crashed. Then there were other. Um, I, I think it was the same one. They used it to uh, take Gren and Yatmer and the baby back to the jungle. There were two. And then they, Morel took over the Sodal Yi, that uh, dolphin creature, and a part of it took over the Traverser. And they, um, that wasn't what they used originally to go to the moon. They used one of those burn urns that they, they um, um, wasn't it? Um, no, they used a traverser, that's right. Yeah, but how about cutting a hole in it, keep well, it from getting they, radiation? You, clo you close it up so to shield you from the radiation. Remember, they were inside of it. But how does they a went hole close? It's went down. like opening it. No, up. it's closing it. You close it. You cut the hole, and then you go inside to cut to shield yourself from the radiation. But weren't they traveling you, inside all the time? You go inside. Well, they were on its back when oh. when they... When, well, they were they were enclosed in those those seed pods. Remember before oh. that's how they got up because they they just uh, were picked up by the traverser on their way to the moon. Remember they stuck to it. Oh, okay. So, but but this time they when they came back from the moon, they used they cut a hole in the traverser itself, which they thought might shield them better from the radiation than those seed pods were. And, and of course, um, then they used it to go into space to travel the webs and see if they could get to the stars that way. That was kind of interesting. I think I would have gone with them rather than stay on the Earth. But it was a good ending. Yeah, thanks. Now, I, I remember the hole that they they made. And I remember something about air bubbles and stuff, so they at least have some way to, to breathe. And I do remember the the spider design, I guess you would say, that, that thing... I thought that was very clever because usually spiders are evil, and I thought this was kind of interesting because the spider actually was their assistant in getting, even though it may not have really known that, obviously, but it was the tool that they used to get off, get off the Earth and away from the moon because the Earth and the moon were in such locked orbits. I mean, they were pretty much connected. Um, but yeah, very, very clever. Now, there was something that they started out talking about that I don't think they carried through with. When they were on the moon and were talking to the captains, they were planning on invading the Earth, going back to do something to take it over. And I guess that's how Lilio and her group came back. But I'm not sure what they were planning on doing, and it, and it was never he never followed through on that. They were coming back to get more adult, uh, children or... Uh, more humans to come with them before they went up 
because they usually went up when they were old and they left the group of children behind. They wanted to get more humans to um, increase their colony on the moon. That's what their plan was. I think also it was because the moon was a slightly better environment, although I say slightly because of you know, all the radiation that was up there and everything. And I was going to say something else, and I forgot what it was. <laughs> Plants weren't so bad. They were smaller, they weren't quite as deadly, and they did live underground, at least some, uh, they lived in that valley, shielded from uh, the sun quite as much. They were in the valley, and there wasn't as, uh, the sunlight didn't go in there, or not as much of it, I can't remember. Um... But, uh, yeah, and the plants weren't so bad. They were able to avoid them easily or overcome them because they weren't as big or uh, as they were on Earth. Do you, do, you think, do you think that those urns had a little bit of a drug in them or something that made them sleep? I thought that at the time because it seemed kind of suspicious that they got drowsy after they got inside them. Um, because they and then they woke up when they got to the moon and they the seed pods broke. Um, yeah, perhaps they did. Um, because it must have taken quite a while to get there. I mean, the moon in this story was as far away from us as the sun is. So, I mean, even if they traveled, uh, you know, a million miles an hour, it would take them, you know, four, four days to get there. But of course, they weren't traveling a million miles. They weren't even traveling you know, a hundredth of that speed. So it would, have, it would have taken them a long time to get there. I'm not sure. See, this is uh, what I, I think I put this in the review that I quoted on the Newswire. James Blish said it was utter nonsense, you know, the science in here. And the, and it is. There's not, I mean, some of this stuff isn't plausible scientifically, but I just didn't, uh, I didn't worry about that so much. I thought the imaginativeness, you know, was just great, and I just let it go and enjoyed the ride, and I didn't worry too much about some of the scientific implausibilities. I thought of those pods more like cocoons, like they were hibernating in there. Well, yeah, and I was thinking, you know, they must have had some genetic programming from long ago that when they got to the moon, they would change, you know, into, you know, the fly people that could survive better there. I'm just thinking, you know, long, long before you know, humanity devolved, you know, they must have done some genetic tweaking to get them to change when they got to the moon. Oh, now I remember what I was going to say. Um, Gren, near the end of the book, was kind of getting a little bit homesick, and he was thinking about the jungle where the book started out, where he was, and, and how he grew up there, and I thought, how could you be homesick for that? Now, I just thought that was kind of strange because, of course, when we were reading the beginning, we were thinking all this danger and all this horrible stuff going on. But I guess people just got used to it because they knew how to get rid of the plants that were trying to hurt them and kill them and stuff. And yet at the end of the book, Gren's off into a whole different life. And uh, I just thought it was weird that it mentioned that he was getting homesick for the jungle just seemed very peculiar to me. Yeah, well, they had such a short lifespan there. Well, people get homesick. I mean, even if it's not a, even if it's a, uh, a bad home, they can still, you know, get homesick for it when they've been journeying and every new thing is strange and every, you know, 
people just I I can I can understand it completely. I mean, people get homesick for something because it's familiar and they, you know, they know how to deal with it instead of every new thing that comes up is is a new crisis and a new uh, unknown thing. So I, I can think I understood it. And you know how they talk about children of alcoholics and people who who thrive on adrenaline rushes, and it sounds like these children knew nothing other than adrenaline rush, so they hardly knew how to act when they weren't in danger. Well, that too, because they were in danger so much of the time that they were always on alert and everything. And then, But when they got into new environments, they just don't know, you know, they don't recognize the plants, they don't know what to do with the, you know, the... You know, the new races that are dangerous. And I mean, the whole threat level just keeps going up. And they want to go back to their familiar, you know, home danger. where the threat, the familiar dangers. Yeah. Well, well, um, um, if you remember, I think what was their saying? It's the way it is, or it's the way, or something like when way back at the beginning when that little girl died, I can't remember her name. Uh, but she, she, uh, one of the plants caught her, and um, that's when they went to go get Lilio, and uh, it would, they, it ended up killing her. And they said, "Well, that's the way," and they had to take her. Uh, what was it called? Her, um, her soul, or whatever it was, up to the thing. Um, back to that, that um, cocoon. I like that cocoon. It's interesting, though. Their bodies must have been different because if you woke up before you went to the moon, I think you died. Because if you remember, one of the people actually did wake I think it was a woman, did wake up and she ended up suffocating. Whereas if you slept through it, you seemed to have lived. Yeah, that's very true. It's like there were several, I don't know how many exactly, they didn't make it. When they finally got to the moon, at first they thought they, they thought they were in heaven. They thought they died and they were in, their, in, in heaven. And then when they went and they saw the these cocoons, and they found that a, at least two or three of them had had uh, suffocated or died from lack of oxygen. So apparently there was something that kept them alive. Also, the fact that they sprouted their wings and became like flymen or were flymen, I wonder if that was due to the radiation, being exposed to a lot more radiation. Uh, which causes those changes? I don't know. I mean, I I don't think so because the radiation would have caused a lot more random damage. It wouldn't have caused them consistently to grow wings, as most of them did. I think that it might have triggered the genetic changes that were programmed into them, you know, millions of years ago. And that's and the reason why some of them died. I thought at the time was because you know the genetics are are you know breaking down or drifting. You know, and they aren't, you know, they, the genetic sequences aren't as robust as they were. So some of the, you know, the transformations didn't work out, so they died. Um, that was my thinking at the time, you know. And there were analogies to butterflies because caterpillars are green, and those those humans had green skin, and that's what caterpillars do. They go into the cocoon, and they come out, and they unfold their wings, you know, and so... Yep. I got the impression that at least one of them died from lack of breathable atmosphere. And I had the feeling that, in fact, they, the stuff, there was something released into the capsule that kind of put them into suspended animation, or at least most of them. 
Oh. Yeah, but the mechanisms were breaking down, and so uh, it didn't work out in all the cases. So yeah, that's why one of them woke up and three, uh, three or whatever woke up and um, didn't make it because things were just, I mean, millions of years. I mean, you can't expect you know the genetics to or the, the you know the plants, you know they're just uh, are evolving and those genes are breaking down or disappearing or doing other things and, and the women were having like 12 children and then they were lucky if one or two survived oh yeah the morality mortality rate was just fierce kind of like most of history we talk about we talk about another about another book and i'm just going to have to put this in here i finally finished the void trilogy oh man oh man what a trilogy what a book i would definitely read that again I really want to read it again. I was hooked from the first page. I swear, that's his best work. And that's saying a lot, because he's done some really, really dynamite work. And I, that whole trilogy is great. I love the environment. I like the, you know, the, um, the, the artifacts, the, the aliens, the, the, you know, the void, uh, you know, um, Eddard and the void and how he gets to take charge of it and, you know, there's philosophy in there, you know, when Eddard makes his perfect world and, you know, he really thinks it is perfect, but he discovers that it's not. And, you know, oh, oh there's so much great stuff in there, you know, that's thought provoking and imaginative and, you know, the Gaia field and, uh, you know, the oh, man, it's packed with great stuff. I really do want to read it again sometime uh, if I ever get the time, but I just have so much stuff to read that. I don't know when I'll get around to it, but I am going to do it someday. I want to recommend a book that I just finished reading. I don't know if anyone's read it or if you want to read it, would want to read it. It's called Dark Matter by, I think his name is Craig, Craig, Craig Crouch. Well, well, you should read it again, Evan, because I have to say I liked the Void trilogy even better than I like Pandora Star and um, was it Judas Unchained or something like that? I think that's what it was called. But, oh, man, I couldn't, you know, honestly, if I didn't have to work, I would, I probably would have finished those books. I was even dreaming about it. I'll probably dream about it tonight. Oh, man, those were good, good books. And you're right. And I li- it had everything. It had science. It had philosophy. It had romance. It, he's a really, really good author. Anyway, okay, I'm done with the Boyd for now. <laughs> and no... Martin, I have not read uh, Dark Matter, but that you know what? That sounds like a familiar name. Maybe I think I've heard, and I could be wrong, but I think I've heard Mary and Evan discussing that book maybe, or am I wrong? Am I dreaming? You're wrong because I haven't read it, but within our, our email list, I know David said that he'd read it, but I can't remember what he thought of it. Um but I know he read it, so I don't know if anybody else did. I might have looked at it, but uh, I, I can't even remember what it's about. <laughs> and give you a brief summary if you're interested. It, 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 it's about this uh, the, this uh, scientist who's married, very happily married, and uh, he's just working in a, as a actually as a uh, professor. And then he's kidnapped and, and taken to this place and, and drugged. He ends up in an alter, alternate universe, and he was kidnapped by his alternate self. 
because he wanted to come back and take over his life. And it gets very involved with what they call the multiverse and everything. It's, I found it to be quite, quite fascinating. Is that, a star, is that a Star Trek novel? No, I know it's not a Star Trek novel. It has nothing to do with Star Trek. I can't remember how long it is. I keep thinking 12, 13, 14 hours, but I could be very, very wrong about that. Uh, if you give me a moment, I'll tell you exactly. It's not that. I think it's about 10 or 12 hours. And uh, no, it's not Star Trek. It's written by the same guy who wrote uh, the, what's it called? The series of books, Pine, the name of a town where this town went into the future or something. No, I forget the name. It was a, it was a series, three novels that, came, that became a series on television. Wayward Pine, that's what it was called, that series. What? River of Time? Is that right? Way, Wayward Pine. I think the name is. And the author, is, I think, is Greg Crouch. I have the number. I have the book here on Notepad. I can give you the, the number, the bar number, if you're interested in taking a further look. I thought Paul Melko wrote a book like that about a guy who got stranded in, the, in a different life. And, um, oh, man, I can't remember it because we read a book with Singularity's Ring. But he wrote a short story or a novella that I saw in an anthology about that uh, was in an analog actually if i remember correctly though i can never remember now i i haven't read the magazines for many years but um um and it was a it sounds like a similar kind of plot only no there was no kidnapping guy, that i can yeah, recall this guy wants that other guy's life yeah he wants to trade places yeah so it sounds like i would read it i don't know but anyway uh just lissy said she would read it uh i don't know well, maybe I'd read What about it. the romantic science fiction? Oh, and the, speaking of cities, uh, what about that other city that got bombed into the future? That's we, we were talking about that last month, too. What was that called, Mary? It's on my stream. I'd have to go get my stream and find it. Um, I don't know how long that is. Well, let me go get my stream, and you guys just continue talking, and I'll be back. I think it's called The City on the Edge of Forever. And it's only about 10 hours long, because I just read it. Heard of, heard of that. Oh, man. Um, I don't remember what that's... I wasn't here last month, so I wasn't with you guys, but that sounds like a familiar book. Um, I thought we were going to read a uh, interspecies romance book or something like that. I looked at the... Um, and I do not know how to pronounce this name, so... Jenny Koch, I think. I kind of have, I haven't, I didn't read the whole thing. It's read by, uh, I think, Kristen Allison. Or no. Is that her name? Wait. No, yes. It, I almost got Aaron Jones and Kristen Allison mixed. Yeah, it's Kristen Allison, I think. And um, uh, David said it was kind of like a science fiction erotica. Um. I don't. I haven't read enough to see that. But have any of you guys read these books? I haven't read them, but it's a big long series of kill the alien stuff, and I wouldn't even touch it. Also, City on the Edge of Forever is a Star Trek episode. I think this is called something like City on the Edge of Time. But let me go get my stream. Um, the um, 
Um, oh, go ahead, sweetie. Well, that's what I was going to say, that the city on the edge of forever. Yeah, I, I don't want to read any interspecies romance. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that right now. I thought it was cheesy on Star Trek, and I still think it's cheesy, even more than I did then. Well, but Lissy says she might be interested in reading it. I can, you know, we'll see. But I really don't want to read that. There is always that wonderful Beauty and the Beast that was really good for two seasons, and then it was awful the third season when they killed off Beauty. But um, Vincent was this kind of a lion guy, so that was kind of interspecies romance. <laughs> but I don't want to read erotica, necessarily. How was the city on the edge of time, Marshall? You read it, so what did, was it good? Well, it was okay. Um, you know, they... I don't know if you want me to synopsize it, but basically they managed to make contact with people of that time and run into political issues and other things. Um, it's kind of like the old oh, Lensman books. I mean, the technology is 50s technology. You know, they don't have anything particularly modern. I mean, none of the stuff is, is accurate scientifically. But they do have an interesting ending. Um, and it kind of goes back to that thing you said about the the group in this month's book wanting to go back to their same place. Because one of the main themes in this book is these people that got transported into the future didn't want to leave their town <clears throat> and that's that's a major part of the book okay I'm still trying to find it here six city at work five ah six city at world's end city at world city at world's end and it is written by Hamilton who was a friend of some of the older science fiction writers. He was a really popular author back in the 1950s. Edwin Hamilton? What's his first? I, I think that's his first name, isn't it? I'll just mention one last thing about the um, this Dark Matter book. Is There is quite a bit of romantic element in it because his devotion to his wife and how he, he's struggling to, to find his wife again. It, it, there is quite a, a romantic element to it. Uh, it's Edmund, E-D-M-U-N-D. And I don't know how long the book is. Let's see. Copyright. Right, 1951 by Edmund Hamilton. Narrated by Phil Regensdorf. Okay. This book was a... Let me see. Info. City at World's End by 25. Headings. Total time. Seven. Hours. 39. Minutes. Yeah, it's not very long. Edmund Hamilton. I knew it was close. I thought it sounded familiar. I don't... I've never read any of his stuff. And I haven't read the Lensman stuff. I. It sounds like it might appeal to me, but the ancientness of the technology is uh, might be an issue because we're so far beyond you know what was in that book in some ways. But it's got a lot of scope and grandeur to it. You know, it's on a galactic scale and stuff. I really ought to take a look at them at some point. Um, I'd like to read but, Dark Matter. But uh, okay, Lissy's voting for Dark Matter. I'm voting for nothing. Yet, 
Uh, I'm thinking because I don't know what to vote for yet. I'll vote for Dark Matter, but I haven't looked at it yet. I don't know how long it is. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's soft science fiction or more of a detective type novel or something. Um, I don't know. That's the one thing I kind of question about that one. I would say that it's pretty good science fiction. I mean, more science, at least, with the idea of what they were trying to do with the different realities and everything. It's 10 hours and 10 minutes. Uh, you know, it's quite, it takes place in Chicago, in different types of Chicago. I, I could be wrong. You know, I, I liked it, and maybe that you, <laughs> if you read it, you won't, you won't like it at all. I don't know, but I thought it was quite good and quite ingenious with a lot of interesting scientific, you know, theories in it. You know who the narrator is? I'll vote for Dark Matter. And what is the first book in the Void trilogy, and is the entire trilogy on Bard? The first book is called The Dreaming Void, and it is on Bard. Uh, all, all of them are on Bard. The Dreaming Void, The Temporal Void, and The Evolutionary Void. They're all on Bard, and they're all read by Kristen Allison, whom I particularly don't care for, but uh, a lot of people do. So uh, I read them when I scanned them for Bookshare years ago. They've been replaced since then. Oh, by the way, I discovered, just as a digression, that... Uh, I was talking about we were talking about Bruce Sterling briefly today, and I mentioned Schismatrix Plus, uh, and um, the book I did for Bookshare back in May of 2006 is still up there, even though there's a publisher quality version right next to it. They usually take our versions out unless they've got some uh, special reason not to take them out, such as image descriptions or some other thing like that. But uh, in this case, they uh, they overlooked it, I guess, because. My version is still there, and the publisher quality version is still there. And that's a pretty good book. And uh, But anyway, um, those are the three books in the Void trilogy, and they're all on Bard. And just for your information, Roger is scanning a book that's about 375 pages long. It's called Universe 2, and it's a collection of science fiction stories um, compiled by... Um, Silverberg. Yeah, Robert Silverberg. And his wife. Karen Faber, I believe, also uh, so, is on that. That'll be in in Bookshare, you know, in, in a month. And I've got a book out for proofreading called Pandora's Brain that should be up pretty directly, and it's science fiction also. Uh, it's about uploading, and it's about AI and the ethics and how the world responds to it, and there's some debates in it about... and. It's a first novel, and the characterization's pretty good. It's not stellar prose, I wouldn't say, but it's pretty good. There's some suspense in it. There's definitely a lot of thought-provoking stuff in it, and I'll mention it on the list when it gets up there for people who might be interested in reading it. That does sound, in- that does sound interesting. interesting. Uh, Marshall, just so you know, if you have Audible, it's all uh, the Void Trilogy is also on Audible, and that's how I read it. And... Um, it's a really good, I hope you don't have anything to do when you read that book, all of those books, because I think the first and the third one were the best. I mean, I liked them all, but I think I liked the first and the third one best. Okay, the reader, the narrator is John Lindstrom, his name is, and the books that you're mentioning, Lydia, are they on Bard, and have we read them before? 
Actually, actually, we haven't read the Void trilogy before together, and I think a part of the reason we haven't read that is because it's a trilogy, and the deal is, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Evan, and whoever's read it, but if you read this book, if you read the first book, you're going to want to read the other two. I mean, you just can't. I could not not read the rest of it. I had to do it. It's just like the void pulled me in. It really did. It was, it, no. Um, and Evan just said, yes, they are on Bard. I didn't know that they were on Bard because I didn't look. I read them through Audible. And they're also on um, Bookshare as a bundle. Um, I can't remember exactly. Maybe they're called the Void Trilogy. I can't remember exactly what the title is, but it's good quality. I'm really surprised that Kristen Allison read those three books. I mean, she just sounds sort of geeky, but I I can't stand her either, <laughs> except for maybe one or two books where she sounds a little more lively and human. <laughs> but I'm glad that they're available in other places. That's really good. I have no intention of reading them, but, you know, people who want to, at least they have choices. Mary, why don't you like them? I don't think that I've read them either. Mostly because I suspect they're very long books, and I am very tired of long books these days. They just drag on too much. If, if you're talking, if you're about the void, talking about the trilogy, I'm not sure who they're read by, and they are very long books. But let me tell you, the time goes quickly. But I do understand. Um, I think Evan, do you remember if Sherry said she read them? I think she did, and I think she liked them, but I can't remember. Oh, yes, she read them. Actually, they are not as long as, well, together they might be as long as Pandora, Star, Judas Unchained put together. But separately, they're, the three books to, uh, separately aren't as long as those books are. Um, yeah, Kristen Allison definitely reads them. And we've read quite a bit of Hamilton, so I haven't really pushed the Void trilogy, uh, even though I think they're his best work, even these night. Uh, even these latest books that he w did, which I liked quite a bit, weren't as good as those. Um, but uh, it looks like the consensus is building for Dark Matter, so I'll go along. If uh, if that's the consensus, we'll, we'll do that, unless uh, people have other ideas they want to throw in there first. Yeah, I'll, I'll read Dark Matter, especially since it sounds like it deals with multiverses and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'll read it for the science, but if the plot's good, that's good too. I need an author though, um, so that I can make the, so I can put it on the recording here, because a lot of people, I don't know how many people listen to this, but I've heard some figures that sounded pretty, you know, there are quite a few people that get these. I think it varies quite a bit, of course, but I, I, I don't know if it's hundreds or, or what, but there's quite a few. Uh, let me see if I can, if I can read it a number. DD 85,205. 85,205 is the number. Evan, Evan, I can go on, can go on real quick and find out who the author is, um, unless you know it, Martin. I could check, too. He's got the book right there. I can hear it, so he can tell us. Okay, the, the last name is Crouch. First, first name is Blake. Let me see if I can spell it. 
Now holding the control key down, I can't get the net. Let me release the key and spell it. Hold on. Lilia, I just realized your name sounds like Lilio, sort of, doesn't it? Isn't that funny? It's spelled C-R-O-U-C-H is the last name, Crouch. First name is Blake, B-L-K-E. All right, then. Our next meeting will be on Thursday, March 9th, since this is not a leap year. Uh, March 9th, 2017, we'll be reading Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. And we'll see all of you here then, I hope.